starting out at 13, they're like, all right, well, you can you can play, but you've got to be up, you know, you got to be out of here by 10 o'clock because you're a minor. It's like, and my parents had to be there and they sat right up front. Um, you know, so it was like the house band would play two or three songs. I'd get up, play my two songs and that was it. And then we left. And that was, you know, that way for a, quite a while, you know. That's Brandon Miller. I'm Jamie Green. And this is Trading Fours. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours. I'm your host, Jamie Green, and it's a Friday, people. Long week, right? I mean, I know sometimes the days blend into each other, but uh, if you're lucky enough to have a job, man, these are long weeks. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're stuck in your house. I, if I had a dollar for every damn Zoom call I sat on, I, I'd be a rich man right now. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to complain too much. I've got a job, and I, my wife has a job, so we're doing a lot better than a lot of people. So, let's talk some happy stuff. Let's talk some music. Brandon Miller's my guest today. A lot of you are going to know Brandon. Brandon has been on the Kansas City music scene for a long time, which is hard to believe because he's still really young, man. You know, he was on my uh, Zoom call when we did this interview. He doesn't even have a gray hair yet, and and that's amazing. I, I wish that was true for me. Brandon's great, great guitar player. I've dug his playing for a really long time. Whether it has been uh, in his own band, a Brandon Miller band, which uh, you're hearing that tune on this new album right now, and we're going to talk all about that. Or as his uh, time in Danielle Nicole's band, he's the guitar player in that band too. A lot of you probably know that as well. Brandon's a cool dude. Uh, I wanted to talk to him as soon as I knew he was going to have this new album out, and he was great and said, yeah, let's have a conversation. So I really enjoyed it. We were laughing when this started because back when I talked to Danielle, Back in the spring, like in March, I think, I would, I told her at the time, hey, I'm going to do a couple of these on Zoom, and then, you know, I'm going to get back to having these interviews in person. Well, here we are. Today is August 21st, and I'm still doing interviews on Zoom. Hopefully soon I'll turn back, but uh, we've had a great conversation. Brandon, super cool guy, great player. Lots of great stories. You're really going to enjoy this one. So let's get started. Here's my conversation with Brandon Miller. Well, let's get started. Thanks so much for the time, Brandon. I'm asking everybody this because it's 2020. How you holding up? Doing all right, you know. We, um... Finding out uh, new hobbies and interests that I uh, either never knew I had or, um, you know, uh, discovering them along the way. So I had a little bit of free time, but hanging in there and staying positive and uh, hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel before long. Got aim into that. Any uh, cool hobbies? Anything fun you're doing? Uh, you know, um, I've always loved to cook um, is one of my big things. I love spicy foods. So it's been fun to travel on the road and stuff. Um, and you get to explore and find those 
those different foods from around the world. And it's always like, I wonder how they made this flavor or this, you know, how it was combined. Um, and now being home and being in, you know, downtown Kansas city with the, uh, the city market and everything and going to the, the market on the weekends and finding those spices and ingredients that, that come together. Um, and, you know, not living in a hotel room, uh, you have time in the kitchen and time to experiment with those foods. So that's, that's been a lot of fun. That's great. Uh, my wife does the cooking here cause we don't want to die actually. <laughs> it, it's safer that way. Yeah. Back when we were first dating, she was like, um, I'm going to take this over cause I really don't like what you're making, <laughs> which is fine. So is this the longest you've been home? In like years? This is the longest I've been home um, in at least, uh, uh, shoot, I don't know, a long time. Even, um, you know, I, I started touring a lot more when I started playing with Danielle um, in the Danielle Nicole band. And that's, I mean, we're in our, officially our sixth year now. Um, and uh, even before that with my trio, we were still, you know, doing regional stuff, um, on the weekends and getting out a little bit, you know, doing four or five days at a time. Um, so yeah, this is the longest I've been home in, you know, a, a decade at least probably. Yeah. That's crazy. Actually, I actually had Ian Moore on recently and he said he hadn't been home this much since he was 18 years old, but he's kind of like you, man. He's building decks and improving his house and clearing brush and keeping busy. You got to keep busy, or you're gonna go crazy, right? Absolutely. You know, I've I've um, I've always growing up. Um, you know, my dad had a always was in the sign industry, whether it was you know small banner signs and yard signs, or it was you know large illuminated signs and custom neon and stuff. So I was always around that. So I've kind of been helping him out a little bit, and my brother is in the um, you know mowing business and landscape stuff. So I've helped him a little bit and just you know, you got to do what you got to do to pay the bills and keep everything trucking along. So, um, you know, it, it could be worse. Yeah. So let's talk about something a little happier. Uh, I love the new album and I always tell people that, uh, before they come on the podcast that they've got some music for me to listen to. I always uh, make a point of uh, putting it in my earbuds and take it, me taking it with me on a jog. So I really loved it. And this is a fun album. And Couple surprises on there that you know a Tom Petty song popped up on there and a uh, George Harrison with the Beatles song popped up there. So I'm always curious. I want to know. Uh, let's talk about song selection. How did you choose to put which songs on there? Um, you know, it it started out. I uh, this is my kind of fourth album album overall. Um, you know, and my first two albums were nothing but originals, all originals, and those had uh let's see i think nine songs a piece on them nine or ten songs a piece so i wanted to keep it as much um original material as possible so i had 11 originals um lined up ready to go that i felt were studio ready and then when you started kind of looking i was like well it'd be fun to do a cover or two on an album you know that's always it's an honor and a tribute to that artist and obviously an, an influence on your playing and your songwriting. So I wanted to include, um, the Tom Petty song, you know, he's, I was lucky enough to see him in concert 
numerous times um, and always one of my favorite performers. And, and that, you know, that B-side tune, Honey Bee, off the Wildflowers album, we've done for years, um, you know, just as like a one to throw in here and there. It's like, okay, some people may know it. Some people may not know it. It kind of sounds like what we're doing anyways. So it's just as a cover song, it'll fit in with what our sound is. Um, so that was kind of a no brainer for us to do. And then, um, I was, uh, while my guitar gently weeps with, was another one that we've been doing for a long time. Um, and it just kind of dawned on me to, to do that and, and, you know, close the album out with that and just kind of fade it out. And that's, you know, um, no better way to close out a guitar rock album than with that one. So. Yeah, you get Clapton and Harrison on the original, so you can't go wrong with that, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of pressure there. And, you know, it was all, you, you've always seen the, um, what, the, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame version with Tom Petty and Prince and all that. And it's like, all right, envision Prince and the guitar solo, you know, and just, like, let it rip and, and see where it takes us. Um, so, you know, it was it was... I wanted to do a couple covers, but I wanted to keep it as original as possible. And when it came time, you know, there was plenty of um, time on, on a CD or digitally. And then when we started looking to release it on vinyl, it was like, okay, we're either going to have to, obviously the first thing we would cut would be the covers um, to do as many originals as possible. But then, it, you know, even with 11 originals, it would ha I would have to cut maybe two or three originals for a single lp and it's kind of like choosing your your favorite child you right. know and you're like well they're all you know important so um we just uh ended up you know scraped some extra money together and you know sold probably sold a little bit of gear and guitar pedals that were getting dusty on the shelf and came out with a double lp and just said here's here's all the tunes so um that's okay. kind of how the songless came together and that's a credit to you i mean i obviously i think unless you live under a rock you're you're aware of the uh, beatles tune uh but the tom petty tune you know it, it's a if you're not aware of that song i i think it just fits seamlessly with the album and that's a credit to you and, and to your songwriting that it just feels like it's another great tune on the album and it's so interesting about Tom Petty. You know, I have a 90s cover band, and whatever we play a Tom Petty song, people just love it. And and I, I think Tom Petty, you know, there's a simplicity to it, but not too simple. But I think he just connects with people, right? I, I just think that uh, people are really moved by his songs. Absolutely. And people are still mourning his passing. I mean, he went from playing live shows to passing away suddenly, and I think people are still digesting that, too. I, um, I had a very good friend. Um that, you know, I still get together and would jam with occasionally and stuff at, at different open jams around town. Um, and we played in a band for years together. And he was like, I never considered myself a Tom Petty fan. I think I ever owned one of his albums, but one way or another, somebody had an extra ticket to a Tom Petty show. So I went and he was like, for two hours straight, I sang along with every song. I knew every single word and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And he's like, somehow it's just they're just great songs yeah absolutely well let's talk a little bit about who all played on the album uh go go ray's on drums correct yeah go go ray played drums on the album um my longtime bass player and friend dylan Ryder, um who's been with me for 
This is our seventh year playing together. He was on um, my live album as well as my Slow Train album from 2014. Um, he played on those. He played bass on the album. And then um, a very good friend, Mr. Damon Parker from the MGDs here in Kansas City, uh, played keys and organ on a couple tunes as well. So um, we kept it really simple, um, you know, instrumentation wise. Um, you know, layered, layered a lot of different guitars, electric guitars, acoustic guitars. Um, I'd never done much with acoustic guitars, but it just seemed to, the songs seemed to call for it. You know, um, I felt like my songwriting had, had grown um, and the songs evolved as well to where it needed those, those, um, those different layers. Um, so, yeah, and we recorded at, at Weights and Measures studio here in Kansas City with Dwayne Trower um, and he's got a, an incredible studio and a great ear um, big gearhead like myself so we got along very well and um, had a had a blast working with Dwayne he was yeah. great yeah that's great you know I've been uh, looking at your website a little bit and I do see that you had a couple shows but Brandon also you've got a lot of swag there brother you've got a lot of things that you're selling up on your website some really cool items so let's talk about that what people could purchase from you yeah you know the uh, the album came out on uh, July 31st um, but we we decided to um, you know kind of put together different merch packages for everyone's budget you know times are tough right now so it's like if you want to if you want to support local music, you can, you know, I think five bucks gets you stickers or patches. Um, then you, you bump it up and you can get posters, um, you know, CDs, but then also some, some special discounted packages. If you want to get a CD and a poster and a t-shirt all bundled together and those are discounted. Um, I think we have a few of these limited edition um, engraved custom pick guards for Les Paul um that are really awesome um so all kinds of different packages and um if you you know you can order it directly from my website which is the best option because it goes right to the artist um no middleman um right but we, you know we've got a few local shows coming up um we did we had our cd release party but i've got a few shows with danielle nicole coming up um where i'll have my merch available um, you know, and just trying to pick up anywhere I can. So like you said, the best way is through my website to either check out the merch or check any last minute show editions, um, that, that may come up. So. Absolutely. Well, tell me about this place in Tonganoxie. I, I, I see that you announced you have a free show this weekend and like you said, people are hurting, but man, a, a free show is a free show. So uh, tell people about that. Free show, you know, and it, yeah, it's, it, Tonganoxie sounds like it's far out of town, but it's, um, you know, it's kind of just on the other side of Bonner Springs. Um, you know, I would still consider Bonner, you know, the metro area. So it's it's in Kansas City. It's a local show. Um, it's a really cool spot that they've, I think, over the last year, um, they've turned this old family barn and, um, you know, their, their land out there into um, kind of a, a very unique concert venue. They've got some food and drink you can buy. Um, but they've set up a bunch of picnic tables and plenty of room to spread out and socially distant. Everybody can be responsible, you know, but if you just want to pull up and, you know, sit in your car and listen or pull some chairs out, sit in the bed of your truck, whatever, you know, there's, there's plenty of room and it's a free concert. Um, 
which is great. And the, uh, you know, the weather's looking beautiful and it's, you know, this Saturday night, August 22nd from seven to 10. Yeah. Um, so if you, uh, if you missed our release party show at knuckleheads, um, for whatever reason, you know, it's a free show. Um, so I don't know, uh, what else we could do besides put on a free show in Kansas city. So it's an outdoor show. Yeah. Come on people. You got to do a little work for yourself, man. It's a free show. You got to help these people out. I mean, yeah, just drive up. That's all you got to do. Drive up and roll the windows down. It'll be like an old drive-in move. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're actually playing that night downtown Overland Park and Buffalo State Pizza, but we're done at 830. So I want to come check it out when I'm done. You know, I'm curious about this place. I want to see it in Tonganoxie and check it out. It'd be fun. So hopefully I can make it. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's an, it's an awesome place. So to back up a little bit, I, I see Jimmy Page behind you. So that may be part of the answer, but I'm curious why you're a, a Les Paul guy. I mean, a lot of guys, they think the blues, you got to play a Strat or maybe a Telly, but uh, you're a Les Paul guy. So what made you want to do that? Um, Les Paul guy. I mean, Jimmy was, was very early on the guy um, you know, going through my dad's record collection and stuff, it was like Led Zeppelin was the band. I was like, all right, I want to, I want to dive into that more. So I would research it and look up videos and, you know, then you see the song remains the same and live at Madison square garden. I'm like, that's, I want to do what that guy's doing. Right. And, um, so he was the one that, I, you know, made me want to play a Les Paul. And from there, you know, I was, I've, born and raised a classic rock guy. Um, I'll be the first to admit that. But um, I was, when I started to dive into the blues, it was the British blues players that I really felt a connection to. Um, you know, Page and Clapton and Jeff Beck, Peter Green of Fleetwood Mac, yeah. um, you know, and then even later with Gary Moore and cats like that, it's like all Les Paul guys, you know, and it was before Clapton started playing a Strat heavily, you know, but it's like all Les Paul guys, huge tone. Um, you know, you could really get that, that woman tone that Clapton got so well, you know, right. with the Les Paul. Um, and I always, I always just prefer a, a heavy guitar too, you know, and that's the Les Paul will definitely do that. Yeah. You can really feel it on your shoulder, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody tells me they're like give it 20 years and then you'll uh then you'll figure it out you know there's been numerous times that at different jams or you know we'll be playing a show or a festival and we go to the after after jam after party and they'll come up and they'll be like man that gold top sounded great can i can i try it for a song or two i'm like sure and i hand it to them and they like they don't even put it on their shoulder they're just like no i'm good i'll i, I, I got telly back here or something you know anything else well, you're going to appreciate this story, Brandon. About five or six episodes ago, I had a jazz guitarist on, and he just kind of casually mentioned that he played with the Les Paul, you know, down in the Iridium. And, and I was like, what? And I was like, wait a minute, why are we hearing about this about 20 minutes into this podcast? Yeah, it's crazy. The The first uh, tour I went on with Danielle, um, we were up in the Northeast, and we were doing a run, um, opening it up for George Thorogood. And we had a few shows on our own and one of them was at the Iridium. And I was like, yeah, the Iridium in New York. Uh, yeah, cool. Whatever. You know, it's down in a basement and I walk in and it's a, you know, a small club and a small stage and just plastered, you know, I was stage right. And the stage right wall was just nothing but a huge, 
montage of Les Paul who plays there, you know, at the time every Monday night. And I'm like, Oh, no pressure tonight. You know, Les Paul. Right. On, he likes Les Paul's yeah. place. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm like, all right, don't suck tonight. Yeah. Make funny. sure I turn that knob on. <laughs> well, that's what I aspire to, man. The guy played way into his nineties every Monday night, right until he dropped up. That's the way to do it. Every Monday. That's it's wild. That's great though. Yeah, and he invented multi-track recording, which a lot of people don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then you get the old Les Paul, Mary Ford albums where he's got eight guitar tracks going on at the same time, and it sounds great. I'm sorry, I probably lost all of our uh, non-guitar podcast listeners because we're geeking out a little bit, but that's okay. So let's back up a little bit. Obviously, people know you've either been playing around the country and the world with your own band or with Danielle. And you'll have to let Danielle know of all the podcasts I've had, 35 episodes. Hers is the most popular. Uh, people loved it. So that was great. Yeah. So tell me about some, one of those moments where you're on stage and you can't believe it, like it's actually happening or it kind of registers with you. I'm sure you have some of those stories. So tell me one of those times. It, it just kind of hit you. You were doing what you thought you never really were going to get to do. Yeah, you know, um, really early on um, when I – I guess, you know, I started, my parents got me guitar for Christmas when I was seven. And that's when trouble started. Um, Cause I, I wouldn't put it down. Right. Um, you know, they would, it would be, you know, I'd wake up before school, play guitar, come home, play guitar, you know, fall asleep with the guitar, everything. Um, and then when I was 13, I, um, I got an invite from a good friend of mine who actually at, my dad, my mom and dad's work, um, at their sign shop, I would go there in the summer and I'd practice in the back room and just play all day. And he had heard me there and his name is Terry Adams who plays in a couple cover bands around town. And he, um, you know, his big one is the Phil Collins experience. Oh yeah. Um, He's, he's Phil Collins. And, uh, he was like, who's that, who's that playing guitar in the back? And they're like, Oh, it's our son. And he's like, Oh, well he, you know, my band's having rehearsal, you know, later next week or whenever he should come to that and you should go up to Jerry's bait shop sometime. They have an open mic night every Wednesday night. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. And my parents have always been huge music fans and music lovers. And even before I was playing, they were going to see bands all the time. And uh, so I went to, I started going to Jerry's bait shop when I was 13. um, And I went every Wednesday for years all throughout middle school and high school. Um, and, you know, I still, when, before the lockdown, it was like, if I'm in town, I'll still, I'll go out, out to Jerry's on a Wednesday and hang out with Scotty and Guy and Brett and, yeah. and all those cats that are still out there doing that and uh, just have a good time. Um, but I was 16 years old and we, we had the opportunity for the kind of the Jerry's house band and the Jerry's all-stars what they called it at the time to open up for Eddie money at the uptown theater. And, uh, so they had the house band and then they had like, you know, maybe three or four other jammers come and we each do a couple songs and we did a set before Eddie money. It was like, okay, this is awesome. You know, getting to play the uptown theater. That's, yeah, that's cool. Bucket man. list when right. you're 16. Yeah. And, uh, so we play and at the time, um, I was, 
I always had a talk box for some reason. I always caught, carried a talk box around so I could do Frampton or, you bon know, Jovi. Joe Walsh and Aerosmith, <laughs> Bon Jovi, all that stuff. So, of course, at the Uptown Theater, it's like, well, what are you going to do? It's like, well, let's do this, uh, you know, Peter Frampton song. Do you feel like we do? So we did it. And then I'm backstage and uh, down the hallway, I see, I see Eddie walking. And uh, I was like, hey, Eddie, you know, nice to meet you. And he was like, were you that kid out there? playing the Frampton song. I was like, yeah, Mr. Money, that, that was me. And he was like, that was awesome. That was perfect. And then he started talking. He's like, oh, you know, me and Peter, we ran into each other here. I met him here. And then we played here and just story after story. And it was, um, uh, you know, my good friend Kelly, she was like, well, you, you guys need to get a picture. And uh, so she got a picture of us at the Uptown Theater. I'm just like, you know, thinking I'm going to go to school on Monday morning and my friends are not going to believe this. Yeah. And I go to school and I'm like, I got to open up for Eddie money. I got to meet him and hang out with them and all this stuff. And they're just like, what? <laughs> you know, who? I'm like, never mind. It's fine. What year would that have been? That would have been, I think, um, late 2006 or 2000, early 2007. You needed to be in my junior high in the early 80s because if you'd done it then, you would have been like the coolest guy ever. I know. You know, it was, I was, um, all my friends' parents thought I was really cool. Oh, I bet. I dress up as, as Ace Freely for Halloween as a kid. Um, Perfect. And, and all the other kids just thought I was weird for wearing makeup. But, That's so you know. funny. Well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, you know, I've obviously been to Jerry's a few times, but uh, it's funny that you got to go there at 13 because that's some uh, pretty interesting people watching, right? Yeah. And it's it's interesting, too, because it, it runs such a gamut. I mean, you've got some people on there that show up that aren't any good. I mean, I don't mean to be snobby about it, but it's true. And then you also get some people that are, are really good. And, and they really kind of blow you away on stage on a Wednesday night. And like you were saying about Scotty or Brett or whoever, that, that the house band, you know, it's such a family feel to it. And, you know, being a kid at 13, I mean, that had to be quite the experience, right? I mean, I assume you just really dug it and got into it, correct? Yeah, it was wild. I mean, I I was very naive to everything, but you know, it's like starting out at 13, they're like, "All right, well you can you can play, but you've got to be up, you know, you got to be out of here by 10 o'clock cuz you're a minor." It's like and my parents had to be there and they sat right up front. Um, you know, so it was like the house band would play two or three songs, I'd get up, play my two songs and that was it, and then we left. And that was, you know, that way for a, quite a while, you know. Um, until, you know, it was like the owners, uh, John and Mike and everybody, they're just like, so you just, you just want to play. And it's like, yeah, I just, I just want to play guitar. So they're like, all right, well, you can kind of, then they would let me stay a little later. And then eventually, you know, um, a couple years down the road, I was 16 or 17 and Scotty would call me and be like, Hey, you know, a bunch of songs and you can play lead guitar. Can you fill in for me the first half of the night? I've got this other gig or, you know, and then it turned into where um, towards the tail end of high school out at Jerry's and Lee summit, you know, I was hosting. Um, I became, you know, kind of the, the bass player out in Lee summit for that jam um, until it closed down. So, um, but yeah, it was just wild to, to look back and be like, Oh yeah. Like I didn't think it was, a big deal at all to be a minor in a bar and playing music and, right. you know, whatever, you know? Um, 
Well, that's a, a credit to your parents too, man, to, to nurture that for you and, and to uh, let you do that and making that a priority for them. So, you know, all kudos to them. You know, my, my parents, um, they, they always supported, you know, all, all of us kids, you know, my, my sister Angela is the oldest. I have an older brother, Jeremy, and then a younger brother, Nathan. And no matter what we wanted to do, it was like, we want to play, you know, my older brother wanted to play football. So they were like, all right, let's go play football. And Nathan and I were big into baseball. So we played baseball growing up. And then the more I got into music, they were, you know, doing that. And Angela did all kinds of stuff in high school with, um, you know, different business classes and she traveled and did newspapers. So she was, you know, um, we just, we had a lot of support from our parents and it was like, no matter how long the day was or how late they had to work to, you know, help do this or that. It was like, no, that's just, we're going to work hard and work every day. And then we get rewarded by getting to do fun stuff, you know? So. I always say that parenting is like the old Peace Corps commercial. It's the, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they just, I don't know how they did it. Sometimes it seems like they would never sleep. No. Well, we certainly get that now. Right. I mean, being parents, totally. It's, um, yeah, it's wild. You know, it's, um, they, uh, you know, one, one family vacation one year, we had, they had saved up enough and took the four of us to, uh, my dad has some family out in LA and they took us to Disneyland for a couple of days out in LA. And it's just like, how did, you know, and that was in like the era where, you know, like, you know, getting on an airplane and stuff like it was getting there but it wasn't like what it is now where it's just like oh yeah you walk in and you go over there and then you get in the airplane you fly and you're there it was like no like you know we you had dial up internet so like booking a flight i can't imagine what that would have been like right um and then we just get there and it's like yeah there's two parents and four kids trying to run around disneyland and it's like how'd you guys do that and they're like i don't know we just did it everybody's still alive so that's good (laughs) So, Brandon, I know most people listening to this podcast are going to know who you are, but for somebody that's just discovering you because of this, what's the best way to follow you, man? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? What's what's the way to keep the best tabs on you? Um, it would uh, it would probably have to be a mix between Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah. I'm on Instagram quite a bit. Um, you know, if you want the most direct you know, way to see what I'm doing. Instagram would be the way to go with the Instagram stories and everything. I'm always throwing crazy stuff up on that. Well, man, I really appreciate the time. It's so good to talk to you. Uh, again, dug the album a lot. Virtue and Vice. People go out, uh, support Brandon, pick up a copy of that, and also uh, come out and see Brandon this weekend. So, Brandon, thanks so much, and have a good night. Thank you. You too, man. Brandon Miller, everybody. Super cool guy. That was a lot of fun. It's always so fun when you have somebody that's a hometown guy born and raised in the Kansas City area and is doing great things. And we were laughing offline about this tune because the name of this tune is Losing Control. And is there a more apt name for a song in 2020 than Losing Control? It just seems like we don't have control over about anything. 
Um, but we do have a little bit of control. Be sure to check out Brandon's website. Uh, like I said on the interview, he's got some cool stuff there that you can uh, purchase and help him out. And then also, you know, this gig, he's playing in Tonganoxy uh, tomorrow night. I mean, how cool is that? It's free for one thing, and, you know, you can't beat free. And then also uh, the fact that he is, uh, you can do it and be safe. You can be in your car. You can, you know, just hang out. But I really think that uh, you you got to get out of your house, some people. You're going to just go nuts. I actually have a friend, and he's really nervous about the COVID virus, which is understandable, but he's even he's gotten to the point where he's like, I just can't stay in my house all the time. And, and I and you know, you got to take care of your mental health, too, folks. So, uh, you know, if you can get out there, go out there. He's playing again at the Kane Family Farm in Tonganoxy, starting at 7 o'clock this Saturday. Uh, up on his website, it even has a link to the Google Maps so you can find it. I'm hoping to make it out there if I'm not too smoked from my own show uh, and get to hear him a little bit because that would be fun. So thanks so much, Brandon. Everybody check out the uh, album. It's a great album. I'm uh, going to probably listen to it again on my jog today. So that's it for this episode of Trading Force. But hey, next time, you know, I know we had a little scheduling snafu. Uh, but I had to reschedule the band from Manhattan, Headspace. They are going to be on, and I'm doing a double episode with that one. I'm also going to check in with Frank Hicks. A lot of you know Frank as the owner of Knuckleheads. And, you know, Knuckleheads, I think, is one of the coolest venues in town. Frank's been working really hard to keep that viable, get some bands in there, and, and make it work and also be safe. So I caught up with Frank on the phone. I really appreciate his time, and he was not having a good day. Nothing that I did. But you'll find out in the interview, the poor guy, if 2020 couldn't rain on him anymore, he was not having a good day. But he's such a nice guy. He went ahead and talked to me for a while. And I think it's important that we hear from bar owners too. So that's coming up in the next few days. Until then, go out and uh, support live music. And hopefully I'll see you out at the Brandon Miller Show in Tongi. Bye-bye. <laughs>